All right. Welcome back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview, the college football edition. A little bit of a change this year. I am A.J. Hoffman. I was here last year. You may remember me. Joining me this year is going to be Scott Seidenberg. I'm excited to have him. Scott, how you doing, man? I'm ready to rock and roll. Uh, college football season is the best time of the year, and I can't wait to watch these Week Zero games and get ready to roll for Week 1 next week. I'll be honest, it feels like... Um I, I was a little surprised when you we, we were talking about what what sports you're really strong with. Mm-hmm. College football came up, and like you said, you think it's the most wonderful time of the year. Typically, people from the part of the world that you're from, yeah, don't give a shit about college football. That is correct. Growing up in the Northeast, uh, it is not a college football haven. Well, in the New York City metropolitan area, it's not because all we have yeah. is Syracuse, which Ugh. is. Many, many hours away from New York City, so it's not really New York City's team. Rutgers had its moments when I was, you know, in college, and and then after college, Rutgers had their moments. But uh, no, it's really not a haven for college football fans. But you know what? I, I tell everybody the same story. I grew up playing the college football video games. Oh, yeah. And became a college football fan. Also, you know, uh, I grew up in the time of, you know, I guess, what, Florida State and with Charlie Ward in 94. Yep. And, and then you had, the you know, the Miami runs and whatnot. So, I don't know. I just gravitated towards it. And really, for me, uh, it is it is my favorite time. So, you love the game itself. Like, for I me, love, I love college football. Uh, there's not very many people uh, where I come from who care about college basketball. And I care about college basketball not because I like to watch it. It's just because I think it's a beatable game. Mm. So, I, but I, I, that's how I feel about college football as well. I think that it is a market where if you study these teams or speak to people that are smarter than you that study these teams, you can find a lot of betting advantages in the market. So this year we'll do sort of similar to what we did last year where we're we're going to discuss we'll we'll figure out what the three biggest games are each week, the national games that everybody's going to be talking about and we'll we'll give a breakdown of those and then we'll both give our our 321 a, a three star, two star, one star uh, play and our favorite total. We'll do that every week. Except for week zero, because as you know, if you are a college football fan, if you've been counting down the days to this Saturday, you know there's only seven games on the board. Seven games. So what we decided to do today was rather than try and pretend like we've got a real strong take on all these games, mm-hmm. which we don't, uh, just go through each game, give go over a few minutes, give you a couple nuggets, and hopefully uh, we'll each have a best bet. But hopefully you can find some some information in here uh, that helps push you one way or another if you were leaning. So let's go ahead and kick it off. Two ninety nine, three hundred in the rotation order. Corn, Nebraska, minus 13 and a half against Northwestern. This game being played in Ireland. Because Northwestern and Nebraska, two schools that just scream Irish lineage. 
Pat Fitzgerald is the coach of Northwest. That should give them an edge, right? It, that's why I'm betting them. It's okay. the only reason why. <laughs> no read on these teams except Pat's, Pat Fitzgerald is the head coach of Northwestern. Now, I think this is going to be a fun game to watch. Obviously, the international series has become a thing over the past several years. We're going to see Notre Dame go next year right to Dublin this year. Yep. They're at uh, right here in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. So Notre Dame will continue their Shamrock series. But... For these two Big Ten teams to open up the season this way, not really fair to them in their schedule. You'd like them to open up with a cupcake game, and although people in Nebraska might think this is a cupcake game, I think it'll be much more difficult than Husker fans think it's going to be. Both these teams are going to come out to play. It's all about putting on a good show. They have to experience everything that they're experiencing, traveling internationally, dealing with the media, and handling the circumstance that surrounds a stand. I don't want to call it a standalone, but it is a standalone game like this. This isn't a normal regular season game, and it's certainly not a normal season opener game. And I think that has to be taken into consideration. Yeah, if you go back to last year, here's my thoughts on Nebraska. I, I Scott Frost. They they could have fired him last year, and no one would have batted an eye. They won three games. They they stunk, but they were probably the best three team win in the or three win team in the country. They were in every game. It felt like you. The last time they won a game though was October second against this Northwestern team. I think that Nebraska. There's a lot of people. Oh, they lost Adrian Martinez. I think losing Adrian Martinez is the best thing that could happen to Nebraska. I think Adrian Martinez, it feels like he's been there for 20 years, first of all, and he stinks. So, okay, go to Kansas State. Good luck. They, I think they get an upgrade from Casey, with Casey Thompson uh, coming in from Texas. They added wide receivers from Texas and LSU, so they got some big-time uh, recruits at least, maybe not guys who have really performed at that level, but guys who have that potential. But I think the most important thing they did with their offense was hire Mark Whipple. Uh, who was the OC at Pitt last year and did a pretty good job with Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison and had a, a pretty damn good offense. I think that we could see a lot of pace, which you know Scott Frost likes that pace, mm-hmm. and I think now he's got the kind of team who can run with pace. Um, and I think that this this game has to feel like it's a big deal to him. You're right, this is a, a weird standalone game, but imagine you were in Scott Frost's shoes at the end of last year, and you knew, man, I sucked. They could easily fire me right now. Mm-hmm. And then they don't. That game one, especially because it happens to be week zero, yeah. and this is the only game featuring two Power 5 teams on the board week zero. So this is the, the game of the week, really. Everybody's going to be watching Boy, Scott Frost has to make something happen. Like, he's got to feel like some pressure to make something happen. How about the reports that uh, he, Scott Frost saying that because the way that their new offensive line coach, Donovan Riola, has been working his offensive linemen, he said that he estimated 15 to 20 total vomits for, from, from, <laughs> per practice. Uh, Maybe they, they're drinking Guinness to get yeah, ready. Yeah. Uh, he said it's not because they're in, they're not in shape. He's just working them hard. So uh, they have been aggressively pushing this team, getting them ready for this season. As far as this game is concerned, though, AJ, I just think it's going to be a slower game than people think. Uh, 
I think that's what Northwestern wants. To that do. is what Northwestern wants for sure. They, they want to slow this game down. They are the biggest improvement from Northwestern year to year. I think last year to this year is is in the trenches, and they've they've put a lot around. They've got a, a all Big Ten left tackle Pete Skaronsky, and they've built up the O line around him. They did well in the portal on the defensive front, getting some Power Five guys. Uh, that that should be an instant impact. They still stink as far as skill positions go. So you're right. They want this game to be a grind, but that's what they wanted last year. And Nebraska beat them 56 to 7 when Nebraska was less equipped to run up the score. That's true, but it wasn't the first game of the season. No. And it wasn't in Dublin, Ireland. I, I lean to Nebraska here. I, it's the only side I can play. I, I think that they are, I think they're a clearly better team. Mm-hmm. Um, 13 and a half is a lot of points and you're right the situation is so weird so unique that I could see that having an effect and I think anytime you travel internationally I expect scoring to be dampened but Nebraska is the only side I could look at here Yeah, you you like the opposite side yeah I lean towards taking the points just because I also like the under in this game and anytime you're giving me a total that I like the under, which we've seen this total get bet down, by the way. Yeah, total, total from opened at 50.5, now at 49.5. Yes, so I lean towards the under, and any game that I like less points, I obviously like taking points. So if I'm going to get a 13-point dog in a game that I don't think is going to feature enough scoring to get to 50, that's the correlated play for me. All right. So there we go. A couple differing leans on this game. I neither one of us clearly very strong on it. Let's go to 301, 302. That is Charlotte at Florida Atlantic. Oh, boy. Can't wait for this one. Oh, what a game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Florida Atlantic, seven-point favorites at home. That's where it opened. That's where it stayed. We got a total at 59 and a half. Uh, up from 57 and a half. Yeah, that's my initial lean was the over here. Last year, Florida Atlantic rolled them 38 to 9. Hammer. <laughs> Hammer. And if you remember, they that was they, they scored the last 31 points of the game. Mm-hmm. They they just Nikosi Perry just had his way with this Charlotte defense. And he's back this year, yeah. as well as four starters on the offensive line are back this year. So the <laughs> as far as the returning production, you lean towards Florida Atlantic here in this spot. I like Florida Atlantic to win this game. The spread to me, if you can get it under a touchdown, would be the way to go. Uh, but Florida Atlantic at home should get the win here. Yeah, it, it, so there was nothing from Charlotte's offense last year, and the defense wasn't a whole lot better. But it, Charlotte returns eight starters on offense this year, and last year it was a really young team around a veteran quarterback in Chris Reynolds. Chris Reynolds back again. The guys around him a year older. I assume there's going to be some sort of, you know, just a, a natural progression with those guys, mm-hmm. you know, because they've got the continuity. Um, so I think their offense will be better. I mean, God, it's got to be better than what they did last year in this game. The defense, though, they they return quite a bit, but they're just warm bodies. This was a, it's such yeah. a bad defense last year. Uh, they allowed over 208 rushing yards per game. They lose a couple of their best tacklers. I think this defense might be absolutely dreadful. And Nikosi Perry for Florida Atlantic, like you said, it, it, everything's in place for him to shine. This mm-hmm. is a guy who was a a big time uh, recruit 
at Miami, didn't work out there. He's got a real chance to, to make some noise here. The offensive line returns four out of five guys. They've got good receivers coming back. They've got a strong running game. I think both these teams look better on offense than they did. I mean, Charlotte, last year, under two and a half yards per rush last year in this game. They threw two picks. Mm-hmm. If you do that, then an under's dead. Or an over's dead, excuse me. But I, I think that I, if, I had, if I had to play it, I think the over is the way to go as well. This is the same defense that gave up 31 points, yeah. the last 31 points of the game last year. I, I think they're going to be in for another really rough day. If you think Charlotte has any kind of juice on offense, the over is going to be the way to go here. Yeah, 60 is a lot. And the one hesitation I would have is it's a primetime game. In Boca at the end of August. Yeah. We might have some weather delays. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, there could be a time where there's, you know, it, it's it's Florida. This is what happens. You're going to get like a lightning storm. You're going to get a thunderstorm. It's going to last 25 minutes, and then it's going to be beautiful again. Yeah. But there could be lightning or something in the forecast that causes this game to be paused for a little bit. And then they resume action. Whenever that happens, momentum gets kind of slowed down a little. No, oh, I see. That. So I'd be that. That's my only hesitation. Looking at the forecast, there, of course, it's thunderstorms. But then again, it's Florida. This is what happens every day in Florida at this time of the year. There's thunderstorms in the forecast every day. All right, we will go. Actually, we'll skip three hundred three, three hundred four, Nevada and uh, New Mexico State. We'll have a best bet on that at the end. We'll move to three hundred five, three hundred six, Yukon plus twenty seven and a half. At Utah State, and I'll start here because I I've, I have a pretty good feel on this game. I think I do. Okay, I like UConn here. Uh, UConn's not the worst team in college football. They're still close. They're still probably bottom five. That said, I've got some reasons for optimism with this team. Like Nathan, Is it just Car- because of Jim Moore Jr. A that's a that's a good place to start. Yeah, let's face it. <laughs> Jim Moore Jr., whatever you think of him as a head coach, like whatever you thought of him as an NFL head coach, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, coached an NFC championship game, whatever you thought of him at UCLA, where, I mean, he he went 46-30. and Is that ideal for UCLA? No, but it it sure ain't bad in the Pac-12. It's for him to be at UConn is a win for UConn. This is a, a massive, massive get for them. So I think that's a great place to start. I, I, I like the, the, how, the coach hire. I don't know how they pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. They returned Nathan Carter at running back, who was really the only nice thing to say about the offense last year. Four and a half yards per carry. He's a stud, a, a, a stocky, strong kid. I, I think he's a really good player. The most intriguing thing to me, though, is this quarterback transfer. Taquan Robert Robertson is from Penn State. Yeah, the dual threat kid from Penn State was really well regarded coming out of high school. I think it, the versatility he'll bring to the offense and the talent. Which let's say, I mean, how often is UConn getting four star quarterbacks? They're not. So I, I think having that gives an instant boost to their offense, um, and, and then. Most of what Utah State lost in the offseason was on defense. They're replacing four of their top five tacklers, including uh, Justin Rice, who was the best player on their defense. And the offense, I, I will say, the offense is a little bit scary. Uh, Logan Bonner, he was a stud last year. Yep. He'll be a stud this year. 36 touchdowns, 12 picks last year. But they lost their top three receivers. 66% of the catches, 
75% of the touchdowns, those three guys out the door. Mm-hmm. So somebody's, I mean, somebody, I'm sure somebody will step up. That's the way these things work. But I think early, you may see some growing pains. And then Utah, the biggest problem they had, Utah State last year, was coughing the ball up. 23 turnovers. They were minus two in three different games last year. I, I think that Utah State, uh, I think obviously they're, they're taking a step back. They also have Alabama on deck, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're playing UConn. Do you care if you win by 30 no. or 20? You're trying to get out of there alive and hopefully be able to hang with Alabama for seven or eight minutes. I think UConn can stay in this fight. So I like UConn plus 27 and a half. I kind of feel like what you said about the last game that we talked about applies here. That if you think UConn's offense is improved, take a look at the over in this game. Because you know Utah State's going to score. And Utah State defensively, this is a team last year that allowed almost 25 points per game and almost six yards per play last season. So if UConn is going to have an improved offense, if we believe in Robinson, if we believe in Carter, then they're probably capable of scoring 20 points in this game. And if they score 20, Utah State's going to get over 30. This is going to come very close to this total. As it, it, again, we're it's a assuming, big number. It's a huge number. Sixty-three, but, by the way, the total. But it's a twenty-two. It's a twenty-six point spread. Yeah. If we're saying this could really be a forty-five to twenty type game that UConn covers barely, that's a twenty-five point difference that goes well over sixty total points. Like I think we're penciling in Utah State when you look at a big number like that, you're assuming over thirty points right away. Unless you really think they're going to shut out a team. But looking at their defense last year and what they have this year, I don't think they're shutting out UConn. And if you believe that UConn's offense is capable of putting up enough points to keep this game close, this could be a high-scoring affair. And by the way, yeah, the, you can, the total shop around 59.5, 60. But even on the spread, you see anywhere from 26 to 27.5. So, there, I mean, there's some... Maybe this is just week zero, but there there are some very differing numbers available. And I would say probably 26.5 is, is the, the lowest you could go. So 26.5 to 27.5, I'd say. But you're right. The over certainly the only way I could look. Um, but I, I, do, I do think UConn's offense could be interesting. I, I won't say good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I think they could be interesting. All right. Uh, we will save 307-308 for best bets as well. Let's get to 309-310. And I, I gave this out a little while ago. Uh, I like the under in this game, Wyoming and Illinois. I, I think that this is both these teams want to grind. Uh, and I think that both teams will will be able to. The, the spread is now three. Uh, why, or, no, I'm sorry. That's, not, that's the wrong game. I was looking at week one. Wyoming plus 11 at Illinois, and then the total is down now to really 44s are starting to dry up, 43 and a half. So it, you, if you, I think if you can't get under, if you can't get a 44, you probably want to leave this total alone. Um, Game opened up at nine and has been pushed up to 11, and even 11 and a half, 11 and a half. I'm seeing at the South Point. What do you like about the side? What, what's your what's your take? I think Illinois is a much better team. Much better team. Okay. And Tommy DeVito coming in from Syracuse gives them a viable passing option. Something that they lacked. Art Sikowski? What do you, what's, yeah, yeah. Don't talk to me about Rutgers quarterbacks, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> Tommy DeVito experience. Uh, new offensive coordinator, Barry Looney, right, comes in. And, uh, you know, this is a team that could 
throw the ball down the field and put up points, and they're going up against a Wyoming team that lost the three Everything. most and the three most important players on offense. Yeah, top running back goes to Arizona State. Top, top wide, wide receiver, receiver goes gone. to Texas. Yeah, quarterback it, gone. Yeah, it's both quarterbacks yeah. that got playing time last year are gone. Yeah, it, it's Wyoming is basically right now they haven't figured out the portal system. That like so what the way that the portal system works is now I think you have to assume if you're Wyoming you're going to lose some of your best players guys who figure out hey I'm really good at Wyoming mm-hmm. I could probably get more eyes on me if I went to Texas or yep. I went to Arizona State what you have to do if you're Wyoming is you have to go scalp the best talent from the level below you so you need to go say okay who are the best kids at Southern Illinois. We're the best kids at San Jose State. Let me go grab some of those. Wyoming was just like, oh, we lost all our best guys. That sucks. Next man up, which is the way I'm telling you that is not going to work no. in modern college football. I'm with you. I, I, I Now, we lost the best of the number. Yeah. I, I'm not playing a side here. I don't like the 11. I don't like the 11 and a half. You, if you asked me last week, my, I would have said, and I still agree, I think this is a double-digit win. Yeah. But I'd like to have it under 10. You yeah, know, minus nine. I minus nine. I take Illinois here. Um, you also have to look at the schedule for the Illini. If they want to make a bowl game this year, this is a game they have to win. You have to have this game. You go to Indiana for week one, and then you got games on your schedule against Wisconsin and Michigan State and Michigan. Yeah. You go to Northwestern at the end of the year. You go to Nebraska. Yeah, you got your Chattanoogas in there, and, and you should be able to get maybe you know Minnesota, Purdue, whatever. This is a game you want to get six wins, you have to win this game in week one. And I think they go in with that mentality of this is a game we should win, that we need to win, and we will win. But just a lean at 11. Yeah, I don't like the number. Again, I think it's a double-digit win. Okay. And could they cover this 11? Absolutely. Could they win by two touchdowns? Absolutely. At 9, it's a play. At 11, it's a lean. Okay. Let's go to 3-11, 3-12. There's been a lot of buzz about this game. Vanderbilt minus 7.5 at Hawaii. And this Hawaii team, and this game, in fact, let's just start with this. The... There's the biggest discrepancy in returning production and transfer assets that TARP from. I mean, Vanderbilt brings back a lot of what they had last year. They're top 25 in returning production. Hawaii brings back five starters total. Mm-hmm. If you remember last year, Todd Graham, it, things went disastrously for Hawaii at the end of the year. The team said, We don't like football anymore. Yeah, He's killed bad. our joy, mm-hmm. killed our love of the game. Everybody leaves. I mean, Hawaii was bad without Cordero last year. Like when they were playing with backup quarterbacks, they were bad. Now they, I mean, they lose. They lose everybody. So this is basically a disaster. You know, run. Everything's gone. Uh, McKinney said Vanderbilt. Okay, so we'll call it eight. Vanderbilt minus eight consensus price. Um, and that this thing, I mean, you want to talk about moving. I mean, oh my goodness, this thing opens up at two and a half, and then it goes all the way up to eight and eight and a half. I'm seeing on the board as well. I, listen, I think there's a lot of reason to be pessimistic about Vanderbilt. I, I get it, and I, I accept that. But the the difference in this game to me is for Hawaii, you've got a bunch of kids who didn't play college football last year that are going to mm-hmm. be starting. 
for Vanderbilt, you've do you have good SEC talent? No. But you have SEC talent, and which that's, is that on the surface, right away, that's the, the first thing you look and at. And if I said besides quarterbacks, where's the biggest gap? And maybe even including quarterbacks, the biggest gap between high level college football, SEC football, and Hawaii is the offensive line. Yep. And I think Vanderbilt is going to just dominate up front in mm-hmm. this game. Again, when I say there's guys who didn't play college football, I'm not like joking around. These are guys, a lot of high school kids, yeah. a lot of guys who, uh, there are players who, were att- who went to Hawaii, weren't on the football team, mm-hmm. and are now on the football team. Yep. So this is, there. I know there's people who are saying there's an overreaction to what Hawaii lost. I don't think you can overreact to this. I think it's uh, this is insane, and I get Timmy Chang may end up turning this culture around. What happened to Hawaii last year can't be fixed in one off season. It just can't. And you know v- Vanderbilt is again. I, I think uh, do they have hope? They probably have hope they can win three or four games. I think that's. I think there's actually a lot of hope around everything I'm reading around this Vanderbilt team has people very optimistic that they're going to exceed their win total. Now that might win. That might mean only five wins, but you know, the, that means this is a must-win for them. Yes, certainly. and that's the way that they're treating it because you know their wins are going to be here against Elon, uh, a win maybe against Northern Illinois, and then you know you steal an SEC win somewhere, and there you go, four wins for your, for, for your team. Congratulations. Uh, or maybe Wake Forest now without Sam Hartman. So maybe you can steal a win there because it is a home game for them. But I think they know, and we know, Hawaii's not running the ball at all. No. this I mean, Timmy Chang's the head coach now. <laughs> Timmy Chang's going to let fly. The, and, and, and it's not like you're looking at this Vanderbilt defense and saying they're incredible, but they're still talented, and they're more talented than the Hawaii players. Yep. And if Hawaii's just going to spread it out and throw the ball all over the field, that's going to lead to turnovers. That's going to lead to quick, empty possessions, in my opinion. And they're not going to control the clock. Vanderbilt will. Vanderbilt will score. And they'll score often. And I think they'll score off of turnovers. I think this can be an ugly game. I think. I also think it's pretty telling that – they don't know who's going to be quarterback in this game. Hawaii doesn't. They, they, I think they're planning on rotating quarterbacks until they figure it out because Shavon Cordero obviously left such a big hole. Mm-hmm. You, you would have thought that you know you bring in a guy from Washington State, or that that's got to be automatic. He's he's your guy, but he hasn't won the job. Uh, Brandon Shager played. I, I guess he he played a couple snaps last year when Cordero was out. He was awful. Uh, and then, like I said, Joe Yellen, who's transferred all over the place. I, I guess he's in the but and and then Cam and Cooper, who's the Washington State guy. He came in when everybody else was leaving, uh, but he also said that Todd Graham was one of the guys, one of the guys, the reasons why he came to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man. This is such a weird deal. The fact that if if you told me. Uh, okay, Washington State, a former four-star, is transferring in to a program that lost everything. It, it's like it's what I was saying with uh, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. 
I, I know what I've got with these other guys. Maybe this guy can be good. I got to see it because everything else is just feels like a disaster. Uh, I, I imagine by the end of the season, Cam and Cooper is the quarterback. But right now, Hawaii's saying that they don't know who the starting quarterback yeah. is. So everything just feels messed up right now for Hawaii. There's no way I can back them right now. So I, I, I like Vanderbilt here. Yeah, I like Vanderbilt as well. I think it's a double-digit win. All right, let's get to best bets. We'll start with yours, 303-304, Nevada, minus nine at New Mexico State. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, this week is just it's 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 gonna be a fun week it really is uh and I, I actually think that this is an opportunity to make some money on this game because not only do I like New Mexico State plus the points but I might sprinkle a little bit on the money line as Ooh, well look at you and this is a line that you want to talk about movements and, and losing the best of the number uh you know we could probably thank Brad Powers for this or something but <laughs> the line opened up 14 and a half. It's down to nine. Oof. So think about that adjustment in the line. Let's just let's, let's, you know, 10, 11, yeah. 12, 13, 14. Five and a half points this line has moved since the opener, and it's only gone one way, and that's towards New Mexico State. Uh, when you look at Nevada, you want to talk about Hawaii losing everything? Yeah. Nevada. Very similar. Nev- uh, Jane Norvell just without all the pa- all the passion going with it. Yeah, Jane Norvell <laughs> left that program and like gutted it on the way out. It it's took like, all those guys with yeah, him. It's so like- <laughs> Todd Graham took all the players' passion with him. Yeah. Jane Norvell took the players. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> took, the, took the players. I, I think he you know took stuff out of the weight room. You know, just yeah. like literally just gutted everything. And Nevada is left with scraps. And it, you want to talk about scrap? And I'm not. I'm not being, and if I sound like I'm being disrespectful, I apologize. But Nevada's last two recruiting classes ranked 119th and 120th. So you're talking about ripping everything out of this program and then replacing it with bottom talent. It's not like they recruited well and have these prospects coming in as freshmen and sophomores that are ready to take over and ready to shine at the D1 level. That's just not the case with such poor recruiting over the past couple of years. And New Mexico, they have a new head coach who's never coached before at this level and or at any level as head coach. New Mexico State comes in and Jerry Keel... Yeah, his last stop, you know, as a full-time head coach was in 2015 in Minnesota, but that's a Power 5 program. This is a guy who coached in the Big Ten. Does he have the talent at New Mexico State? No. No. But does he have the moxie? Does he have the savvy? Does he have the a Very well-respected guy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he took he, he turned Southern Illinois around. He turned Minnesota around. These what, were like I, dead and programs. And that's the thing. He comes in with this, this moniker of being a fixer-upper. Yeah. Right. Like I'm going to come in and I'm going to rebuild this program. And I think it starts with a statement victory in week one at home where you are a heavy underdog. They're going to run the ball. They're going to control the clock. And I think not make mistakes, which is something that poorly coached teams do. They make mistakes. I don't see mistakes from this New Mexico State team. Now, are they going to be a four win team this year? Maybe that's the limit for them. I think they'd be happy with that. Yeah, I think if they go over three and a half, I think they're very happy. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's a big game. It, look, they're they're an independent, so their schedule this year is just bonkers, right? They go to Minnesota, they go to Wisconsin, um, you know, games against uh, they go to Missouri. Just a weird schedule. This is one of the few games, even though they're a nine point dog. This is one of the few games on their schedule where they could legitimately see themselves getting a win. And so not only do I like them getting the nine, I I might sprinkle a little bit on this money line. Plus 270 available out there. So, yeah, the number's kind of gotten away from me. The sharp money is 100% on New Mexico State. My concern is this. Jerry Kill, what he does... He's a he's a dinosaur coach. Like he is old school. He believes yeah. in run the ball, play tough defense. Um, the problem is this defense gave up forty points per game and about five hundred yards per game last year. Yeah. So it's and again, the cupboards bare at Nevada. Mm-hmm. But they, you said the recruiting. You you mentioned how bad that's been. They did hit the transfer portal pretty hard. Oregon kids, USC kids. Oklahoma State kids. The question is, how long does it take to click? And I would imagine if you're going to fade Nevada early in the season is going to be the best time to do it. Yeah, this and, is a team and, and with no continuity. Speaking of early on, I actually like New Mexico State in the first half. Okay. In this game, probably more so in the game because the game could get away from you at the end, especially when you're playing with a you know a dog that's uh, a heavy dog like this. All it takes is you know they're losing by seven or eight at the end of the game. You're covering. They turn the football over and, and Nevada gets a meaningless score at the end. And this turn because you know at the end of the game you go for it or whatever. This turns this turns from this could turn from an eight point game to a sixteen point game. Right. Very quickly, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're out, and you're hoping yeah. for, and you're hoping for a miracle backdoor where they score at the end and, and cover and cover the line. So, I'm actually, if you if you're asking me what I'm more comfortable with, it's New Mexico State in the first half. I like New Mexico State for the game, though, first, and I like sprinkling a little bit on the money line. First well. half plus five. I think this could be a uh, uh, yeah, this could be a close first half. All right, so there's best bet uh, on New Mexico State. From Scott, let's go. Anytime someone's got like a best bet on a team like this, you got it. It's I mean, it's, it's confidence, it's, bro. Yeah, confidence. Come on. You don't see me going. I like Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go. Three hundred seven, three hundred eight. North Texas at UTEP. The Mean Green. The game is a pick. My best bet is not on the side. It's on the total under fifty five, and. Here's here's why. I th- First of all, this game last year was a 20 to 17 game. Uh, North Texas beat UTEP. They kicked a field goal with seven seconds left in the game to get the win. Went into the fourth quarter 17 to seven. This was a grind, grind game. And I think UTEP is worse offensively than they were a year ago. Uh, Jacob Cowing, who was their kind of their star deep threat guy, he goes to Arizona. He was kind of underutilized in the the poor offense at UTEP to begin with. Uh, but it, taking him away, taking away that deep threat certainly hurts. And UTEP wants to run the ball. They've got good backs. They've got a good line. That said, North Texas has a really, really good linebacking unit. UTEP couldn't run the ball on them last year. North Texas couldn't run the ball on UTEP last year. Neither offense was able to get going. I think this is going to be more of the same. So 
that same game that was 17-7 going into the fourth quarter, just a really ugly game, I don't see a, an improvements on either one of these rosters to make me go, oh yeah, they're going to double the scoring from last year and then tack on an extra touchdown. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that comes from. So to me, I, I'm I, I think the under is the the play here. I, I think that this is this might get into the 40s, 45. Feel like if I could play an alternate total, I probably would. But I, I like this bet a, a lot. So North Texas at UTEP under 55. And remember, the, the North Texas kids not used to playing at altitude. UTEP at altitude. So and it's in the same state. That's the beautiful thing about Texas. Yeah. Lots, lots of different Texases. Sun Bowl. Dallas to, to El Paso is a, a different worlds. Uh, so I, I think those North Texas kids struggle a little bit in the, in, the, uh, in the elevation. And I just think this is a grind, ugly, ugly game. So under 55, North Texas UTEP is going to be my best bet. And what's the name of the, the kid from uh, UTEP, the elite pass rusher? It was Praise Amawule? Yeah. Was it yeah. Praise? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you, good good uh, defense for UTEP as well. So I, yeah, this is a, a, a team that I think, or a game that I think is going to showcase a couple really good defenses and some meh meh offenses. Yeah, uh, I don't really have a take on the side here. Uh, I, I think that these two teams, when you add in, when you factor in home field, I, I think pick is a, is a pretty fair line. So it opened up as North Texas minus four and went all the way down to a pick'em. So obviously the sharp money in on UTEP, but also. A lot of money coming in on the under as well, leaning towards your side, agreeing with that. All right, that will do it for the first episode of the 2022 college football season. Uh, Week zero in the books. So enjoy the games this week, guys. And uh, we'll be back next week. We'll we'll, We'll be back to our old format, doing all the big games. Uh, given given three two one and a and a total, so we'll we'll have we'll have something for everybody next week. We'll and let's face it, the week one games are just better. They, they, these games. This is your this is your appetizer, right? This is for the hardcores. Yeah, but it's also but it's it's for everyone. We can all enjoy it. But this is the appetizer. This is this actually this is this isn't the appetizer. This is the bread that they give you when you sit down at the table. I think that's what it before is. Before you order, before you even see the menu. Actually, you know what this might be? This might be this when you the, walk in the restaurant. This is the water and the bread. This is like where you walk in the restaurant and you grab a mint before the meal. Before you sit at your table, like the mint you're supposed to grab on the way out, you grab one and pop it in before you sit down at the table. You must be hungrier than I am. I, yeah, <laughs> I wait for the bread. And, and I just don't know if this is the bread. Maybe I don't know. I think this is the bread. I think this is where the waiter comes over, asks if you want, you know, tap. Or sparkling, mm-hmm. you get. You say, "Give me regular tap water," because yeah. you know we don't ball out like that. I like to say, "Still." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they, they they fill up your water. He goes, "I'll be right back with some bread." Oh. And now you're sitting here, and you're like, Do, "Now, now, is it going to be like focaccia bread? Yeah. It's going to have a little bit of sauce on top, or is it going is it going to be like?" Different kinds? Are we going to get like the cheesecake factory? You know that uh-huh. that pumpernickel style? Yeah. Are they bringing out butter, or do they or do they go oil? Oh, like a carabas? You ever have that? Yeah, where is, is, it, the oil and herbs with the rosemary. Oh, yeah. So, so the anticipation is there as you're waiting. Not just not for your food, not for your not to look at the menu and see what you want, but you're waiting to see what type of bread is it going to be? Crackers. And oh, then, that would piss me off. And then when they bring it out, who the hell would bring crackers? And then when they bring it out, and you see it right in front of you, it's almost as good as the meal. 
because you've been starving for it and you're waiting for it. And guess what? It's here and it's in front of you. It, listen, in Week my family, zero, baby, in my family, there, I got two growing boys. <laughs> when the bread comes, it's a it's fight. Done. It is a it's fight. Done. To see who's going to get, who's going to eat the the biggest amount of the bread, and then oh, we should get more bread. We should get more <laughs> bread. But like, yeah. So I, I get you. Maybe listen. Any football is better than no football. Hence so week zero. Week zero. The bread. All right, guys. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy the games.